Hello and welcome to the Victory Bell, the podcast. I am your host, Paul Oren, the founder and editor of thevictorybell.com. You can find me on Twitter at TVBOren, and you can find the Victory Bell at the aforementioned thevictorybell.com. It is a subscription-based website and newsletter, five bucks a month, $49.99 for the entire year, gets you all of the coverage of Valparaiso Athletics and the Missouri Valley Conference special Arch Madness edition of the podcast today. Thrilled to have you here. First, let's get the elephant in the room, out of the room. Um, yeah, the audio doesn't sound the best right now. I am at the. I'm at my hotel in the Missouri Athletic Club. I'm in St. Louis. Uh, later on in the pod, you're going to hear from Todd Eichau and myself as we drove to St. Louis this morning. Interest of full disclosure, it's 11 a.m. on Wednesday. We got police sirens in the background. We got an echo in here. Uh, I don't have my normal studio microphone uh, using the, the microphone on the laptop. So uh, we're going to go with, uh, uh, I don't know, quality of content over quality of sound here in this. And I don't even know the quality of content, right? We do have Todd Icau joining us here in a little bit to talk his thoughts about Valpo Murray State at Arch Madness. Also, we're going to spend a lot of time kind of talking about Ben Cricky a little bit. Where's Ben's place in the pantheon of Valpo all-time greats? We're going to have that coming up here in a little bit. I don't want to dive too much into the Valpo-Murray State game at the moment. I'll get into that more in an article that will come out on Thursday morning at thevictorybell.com. Take a look at the history that Valpo has in St. Louis. Obviously, we'll look at that. We'll take a look at Valpo has lost to Murray State twice. Is it hard to beat a team three times in one year? What does that phrase even mean? We'll look at that. And we'll also look at this unique situation that Valpo's in right now. They just played Murray State in the regular season finale. They got to turn around and play them in the first round of the conference tournament here in the 7-10 game at 6 p.m. on Thursday night. We'll take a look at a little bit of the history of that and what those stats mean. What I want to do before we get to the episode of Todd is I want to break down my Missouri Valley Conference ballot, right, in terms of first team, second team, freshman team, all that stuff. I really wanted to take a look at that and share that with you here. Um, let's jump right into it. Uh, the first ones that that came out were the all-bench and most improved, and that came out yesterday, and Ben Cricky was named most improved I had him as the team captain. You're you're supposed to pick a team captain for this. It's an interesting thing to look at Ben Cricky, and again, we'll get into this more later in the pod with Todd. Uh, that rhymed. Um, ben was a what third team All Conference guy last year, and then preseason All First Team, and then was made Most Improved, and now might not make First Team. I think he will because I think the Valley's going to take six guys. But uh, Ben Cricky, such a huge jump all across the board. Uh, Leon's from Bradley. I think I'm saying his name correctly. If I'm not, I apologize. I'm going to say his name a couple more times on this uh, pod. Uh, he was on my most improved, as was Julian Larry. Now, Julian Larry was not named to the most improved team. That was announced, I think, yesterday. And I think that's an abomination that Julian Larry was not named to the most improved team. I don't know how people overlooked him. I did vote Titan Anderson in, and Titan Anderson's an interesting one, as has been pointed out by several people on social media. This is his third year at Northern Iowa, but he's listed as a freshman. 
because I think he came in, I think he redshirted, and then he played his first year, and then he's got three more years of eligibility after this. Um, and so Titan Anderson was on there. Darnell Brody was on my most improved as well. On the all-bench team, Jay Sean Henry of Bradley, without a doubt, the captain of that for me. I had Tanavinen of Bradley, uh, Gillespie from Belmont, Landon Wolf from Northern Iowa, and Chance Moore from Missouri State. That was my all-bench team. Uh, all right, let's jump into all-conference. Ben Shepard is at the top for me followed very, very closely by Tucker DeVries and Rink Mast. You could put these guys as 1A, 1B, and 1C. They're a head and shoulders above everybody else, in my opinion, in terms of how I would look at these things. I voted Ben Shepard as the player of the year, and the reasoning for that is I think he had to do more with less around him. Um, I, I think Shepard was so impressive. I think it's really hard to come into a new league, uh, a whole new team coming into the league, not really knowing what you're doing. I thought he was dominant. I thought he was excellent. I think he's an all-around player. Uh, Tucker DeVries, you know, he, he'd, he'd been hurt. You know, he'd missed a little bit of time. Um, he's very, very good. Rink mass, very, very good. Had a couple stinkers at different times. Um you know, stinkers for him, right? Great games compared to everybody else. You got to pick one of them. I went with Shepard. I think if I'm drafting a team, and this is kind of the way that I looked at it, if I'm starting a team, who am I taking first out of these three? I'm taking Ben Shepard. Then I'm taking DeVries. Then I'm taking Mast. And I'm happy with any one of them on my team. I know that we live in a world where because I picked one, two other people are going to be angry or two other fan bases are going to be angry. It, it, it's just the way that it is. He could have easily gone with DeVries, could have easily gone with Mast. I went with Shepard. I think he's fantastic. Um, and I think he's the reason why I think Belmont can make a run here. Uh, Marcus Damask and Roman Penn round out what would be my, my presumptive first team. These are the top five guys. Damask and Penn, really, really good. I think that uh, that Southern Illinois kind of faded a little bit down the stretch. Um you know, at least some play at certain times. You know, they weren't dominant in some games, but Damask, you, you know what you're going to get from him. Roman Penn, also another very strong player. Now, I can't vote for Ben Cricky because I'm the Valpo Beat reporter. Would I put Ben Cricky in the top five? Yeah, I probably would, and I'd probably have him fifth after Damask before Penn. Um, and that's more or less, you know, DeVries and Penn kind of eat each other's stats a little bit. I think Cricky, again, if I'm looking at I'm starting a team and I'm going to draft somebody, I'm drafting Ben Cricky before I'm drafting Roman Penn and probably even before uh, Marcus Damask. But uh, again, these guys are all head and shoulders above the rest of the league. These guys are phenomenal players. It's just the nature of what this is, right? We are picking the best of the best, and there's nothing wrong with, with being in the second tier. So Shepard, DeVries, Mask, Damask, Penn, my first team, uh, McCauley from Indiana State, Bowen Bourne from Northern Iowa, although, you know, it's tantalizing his talent. He's been slowed by a variety of injuries, but I still think on his best day, he's fantastic. Jace Carter from UIC, you have to put him out there. All-around dominant player, fills up the stat sheet all across the board. And I put Donovan Clay on the second team, and then Leon's from Bradley as well. Um, I, I, so that's my top 10, right? My all-freshman team ballot, the kid from Indiana State, who is like, I, 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 we're, we're 
it's so crushing that he and Cameron Crutwig are never going to play against each other in the Valley. Uh, Crutwig is now a pro, and Robbie Avila, I believe is how you say his name, is going to be a pro one day. I love watching him play. The goggles, the Indiana State did a giveaway. The little kids are dressing up like him in the stands. This guy's going to be one of those guys in two years. You're like, God, he's still around. He is a dominant yeah, I love him. I think he's great. He's my freshman of the year. Cade Tyson from Belmont. Uh, Michael Duax from Northern Iowa. Duax probably could put a little bit higher. Jacoby Gillespie. Uh, you know, I don't know that the body of work is there, is there for the entire year, but he was, you know, it, 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 recency bias. He was dominant in the final game of the regular season. I watched that game start to finish. Really liked him. And he was going battling back and forth with Landon Wolf, the freshman from Northern Iowa, a real freshman from Northern Iowa. And uh, and so those guys were on my all-freshman team. All-newcomer team, McCauley from Indiana State, Jace Carter from UIC. Those guys, again, at the top for me because of, uh, you know, they're, they're obviously on my all-conference team ballot. Jonathan uh, Mogbo from Missouri State, Rob Perry from Murray State, and then Seneca Knight from Illinois State. The interesting thing about Seneca Knight is I think that had he, you know, he wasn't in the starting lineup for the entire entire conference slate. You know, I don't know why. I think sometimes teams do this, but uh, really like Seneca Knight's game. He, he, he gave it to Valpo in a game that they played. Um, but if we were basing everything off of who gave it to Valpo or Illinois State in that game, Quentin Green would be player of the year. Uh, again, speaking of player of the year, Shepard, DeVries, and Mass are the three that I voted for. Uh, they're, 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 they're the guys for me. Coach of the year, um, all right, I know that this is going to give me some grief because Brian Wardle and Bradley won the league, and so people, I, I'm reading people telling me things like Brian Wardle is going to be near unanimous choice. He's third on my coach of the year ballot, and here's why. His team was picked to finish second. They finished first. They, 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 did they overperform their expectations? A little bit, yeah. But, I mean, I, I thought they were right there. I, I, you know, I, it's not a big shock to me that, that, they, that they won the league. It's impressive. I'm not taking anything away from that. Josh Schertz picked to finish seventh, I think, at Indiana State, finished fifth. Casey Alexander at Belmont picked to finish sixth, finished as the four seed, but tied for third place. I actually picked Casey Alexander as my coach of the year. I think I've slanted towards Belmont a little bit here in, in both for Shepard and Casey Alexander because I've seen Valpo try to transition into this league and knowing how difficult it is. And because of that, the fact that Belmont was able to do it so seamlessly, I think speaks very highly to Casey Alexander and Ben Shepard. So those two guys, despite the fact that they finished as the number four seed, tied for third place, Despite that fact, I'm going to give Coach of the Year to Casey Alexander. Josh Schertz and Brian Wardle are the other two, and DeVries, obviously, at Drake. Now, again, you can't really vote for DeVries. They were picked to win the league, and they didn't win the league. So, you know, it's not that he did a bad job coaching. It's just, to me, I think about when you're looking at Coach of the Year, it's how much did you outdistance your expectations, that's where I look at it from. Maybe that's the wrong way to look at it, but that's the way that I look at it from. Again, Newcomer of the Year, Macaulay, Avila, Freshman of the Year, uh, the sixth man, J. Uh, Sean Henry. My all-defensive team, God, I went back and forth on this so much. Leon's from Bradley is, is my number one by far choice for uh, all-defensive team. 
I got Lance Jones on there, DJ Wilkins on there, Donovan Clay on there, and I also put Connor Hickman on there. I don't necessarily know that this is the spot that Hickman belongs, but Hickman belongs somewhere. I love that kid's game. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's going to be a star in this league going forward, and I wanted to put him somewhere. So that's what I got for defensive team. That's what I got for my all-conference ballot. Later on tonight, it will be announced at this Missouri Valley Conference banquet. Looks like it's going to be a great time. Cannot wait. I'll obviously have details at thevictorybelt.com tomorrow, spelling out all of that, looking at the preview of the game and everything. Before we get to Todd, I'll say this. Look, I know there's a lot of questions about the future of Valparaiso basketball, and those questions are going to be asked. Whether or not I get the audience to ask those questions, you know, and I'm talking about maybe talking to the athletic director or, or whatever, I know people have questions about the future of Valpo athletics. This weekend is going to play itself out, and those questions are going to get asked. Whether or not there's sufficient answers, whether or not there's limbo, there's purgatory, whether or not, it, you know, I, I don't know the answers. I, I've, I've tried to say this enough. Like, people see, keep saying, oh, Paul, you've got to know what's going on. I don't have a clue. I don't know. You know, I, I wrote stuff about Lodic being on the hot seat about a month ago. Um, you know, this, no, nothing's changed, in my opinion, right? The season is gone the way the season is gone. They're 0-7 in coin flip games. Uh, they're in a lot of games. They just haven't won a lot of games. It would not shock me if Valpo went on a run in this tournament. It also would not shock me if they got beat by 20 to Murray State. Nothing would shock me. What I will say is this. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if there's going to be some sort of announcement or a vote of confidence or any of that stuff. I don't know. I have no idea. What I will tell you is I don't think that anything that happens in St. Louis this weekend is going to have any bearing on any decisions that have or have not been made already. You know, guys all know that I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. I, I don't know that Aaron Rodgers went into his darkness retreat and came out changing his mind about stuff that was going on. I, I have a feeling that Rodgers knows what he's going to do. Is he going to come? Is he going to go? Is he going to stay? Is he going to is, is love? Whatever. Like, you know, and... and I, I, I got to think with Valpo, too, the, the, the same decision has been made. Maybe it was made months ago. Maybe it was made weeks ago. Maybe it was made days ago. I don't know. I just don't think that anything that happens this weekend is going to have a big bearing on it, right? I don't think there's like a magic if Valpo beats Murray State, Matt Lotta keeps his job. If Valpo loses to Murray State, Matt Lotta loses his job. I don't think that equation is on the board right now. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I hate this. I hate this part of it, right? Uh, I've tried to explain that. Like, this job was really easy to do when everybody was happy. This job is tough when people aren't happy because, what you know, I, these are people that we see every single day, right? And the idea that, uh, you know, I'm going to go stick a microphone in a bunch of people's faces and say, hey, are you coming? Are you going? Are you staying? Are you what? Um you know, same thing with Ben Cricky, right? Like, we've talked about this. Is he going to come? Is he going to go? Whatever. Uh, I don't. He's not going to have that answer after this weekend. He's not going to have that answer immediately. I mean, I, I guess i got to ask him the question again. But I keep on asking the same questions. So um, questions will get asked. We'll see what the answers are. I'm, I'm, maybe there will be a holding pattern. I have no idea. I am excited for Arch Madness. I've always loved this tournament. 
someday soon. I hope that Valpo's at the top of this league or in contention so everybody shows up to St. Louis. That being said, I'm in St. Louis right now. It's 11.15. I'm going to edit this podcast, and I'm going to get some food, and I'm going to go enjoy 60-degree weather. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Go to thevictorybell.com. We'll have a bunch of coverage of Arch Madness. Stick around for Todd Eichau. Going to be a fantastic conversation about Ben Cricky, his place in the greats of Valpo. Uh, where does he rank? I think it's really enlightening. Very candid talking to Todd. I think you'll enjoy it. Go to thevictorybell.com and subscribe if you haven't already. Five bucks a month, $49.99 for the entire year. I appreciate it. Leave a comment. Leave a like. Subscribe. Leave a feedback on the Victory Bell, the podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. I appreciate and, and cherish it all. Thank you very much. Here's Todd. Here we are on the Victory Bell, the podcast, a special edition of this, as I talked about earlier in the episode. Todd Eichau, the voice of Alpo Athletics, and myself are rolling down. Where are we now, Todd? Um, we are about 10 miles west of Effingham, Illinois, about 95 miles east of St. Louis on Highway 70. We are on our way to Arch Madness. We are going to have the radio call, Todd, as always, but I will be joining him. We've been doing this a couple years now at Arch Madness. It's been a lot of fun. We started this, I think, the year that Valpo went to the championship game, and then I've been tapped to be the uh, the color guy, and it's colorful. But uh, in exchange for me doing that on the broadcast, you're here on this podcast. And uh, first of all, how excited are you for these next couple days? Well, it's Arch Madness. Come on. The madness is about to begin. It's the Valley. Um, what, what's your thoughts quickly on the Murray State game? Uh, two games this year, both go to overtime. Both games, Valpo probably felt like they should have come away with a victory. Uh, how are you feeling going into this game? I got to like Valpo's chances. Uh, it would appear that Quentin Green's going to be uh, in uniform for Valpo. Did not play last game, really shortened Valpo's bench. Didn't really get anything out of Connor Barrett in the game. Uh, kind of forced to play the two point guards together at times. They, they played well, but obviously you're, you're going to need somebody out on the court who can make some shots. And, and this has been an issue, quite frankly, all year long. Too many guys on the court who are not a threat to make a three-point shot. When you lose Quentin, it's a big loss. Uh, and he's been Valpo's best rebounder of late. So uh, having him back will help. I mean, you've played Murray tough two games in a row. And let's... let's Let's not overlook the fact that Murray State's been a subpar basketball team. I don't know, this isn't a secret. I think Steve Prohm will tell you this. Like, they just have not played well over the last month. Um, they've been blown out in a lot of games. They really didn't play well in the game on Sunday and really were, I think, needless to say, very fortunate they won the game uh, on Sunday at home. They had a win over a ranked Texas A&M team way back early in the season when Texas A&M was ranked and good, at least perceived to be good. And I think that game made us think, oh, maybe this team has got something. They have all these pieces, all these transfers that have come in. And like a lot of other teams, they struggled to figure out that gel. Perry is a good player. They've got a couple other guys. Uh, you know, it's just the sum of the parts, though, just doesn't always seem to be there, but it was there in two wins against Valpo. Uh, I, I want to take a, the time when we're talking here to to focus on Ben Cricky. Um, he is on a run right now that we have not seen, uh, and, and obviously we're dry, you're driving, I'm 
passenger, and we don't have the stats in front of us, so we're not going to going to rattle those off. But he is on a kind of a pretty miraculous run. We don't know if this will be his final weekend in a Valpo uniform or if he'll have another year. Uh, but I kind of want to ask, Todd, your thoughts on his place in Valpo history. If he comes back, he'll be one of the all-time leading scorers, you know, all of that because he'll have five years. But right now, as it stands, where does Ben Cricky sit in your mind among the pantheon of Valpo greats? Well, uh, I'm going to try to go off uh, memory on where Ben's numbers are in this 10-game stretch. Maybe a little off on this, but in the last 10 games, he has scored 22 or more, 8 out of the 10 games. And in that stretch, he's averaged just over 24 points a game in a 10-game stretch. And I think what's maybe most uh, remarkable about that is what I just touched on, is he's out on the court with a lot of guys who are not able to open up and spread the court for him because they struggle to make shots, so teams back off. And that allows a lot more pressure uh, on Ben. Um, So... This guy's not going to move over and hit us. Yeah, we're uh, we. You might have to avoid a car accident here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what I think is when we talk about the stretch of twenty-four a game over a ten-game stretch, kind of rivaling uh, two stretches that Alec Peters had, one at the end of his uh, junior year and one in the middle of his senior year, where he was very similar. Uh, in fact, Alec was right around twenty-four a game his entire senior year. Um, it's right up there. Uh, among great stretches in Valpo history, I think Javon Freeman Liberty had a great stretch, right? Uh, starting early on, sophomore season, uh, where he was up over 20 a game and really stuffing the Yeah, they had that 30 against Cincinnati, I think it was, yeah. a, a couple of the non-conference so, games there. So as far as stretches, uh, he's up there among maybe the five best stretches that a Valpo player has had uh, in my what, 31 years now. I would also say if you really judge on how much, what an effect he's had in the games, considering uh, the obstacles that he's had to have, he's clearly one of the ten best players uh, in uh, three the last three decades. Kind of the Drew era on for Valpo basketball, I think without question. Yeah, I mean, no disrespect to, to Bruce Lindner and, uh, you know, all those guys in the 40s and all of that, but... You know, we, we really look through the lens of the time that you and I have been around, which is really through the Drew era and all of that. Um, you know, obviously, Bryce and Alec at the top. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, it's kind of the LeBron-Michael Jordan debate about uh, the top two players in program history. You know, some people will tell you Alec, who got to see him play all the time. Other people will tell you Bryce, who got to see him play all the time. They're one and two in some order, without question. Um, Ryan Brokoff is up there. Lubosh Barton's up there. Rytus Groffs is up there. Dan Oplin is up there. Casey Schmidt's up there. Dave Redmond's up there. Tracy Gibson is up there. Ben Cricky, his name, has, you know, he hasn't had the success winning-wise that a lot of these other guys have had, but he belongs on that list with, these, with those guys in your mind? Yeah, I'm not going to penalize Ben for the fact that uh, he hasn't had the talent around him that those other guys have had. In fact, I look at it differently. I look, it's maybe more remarkable that Ben has put up the numbers as long as he's efficient. You know, a lot of times you will look at a team 
that struggles and they've got the one star player and he puts up these monster numbers but what usually happens in those situations is the guy is like a 42% shooter from the field and he's only putting up those huge numbers because he's taking a lot of shots now there's something to being able to get off that amount of shots that there's talent alone to be able to take those amount of shots um, because if you took all these horrible shots you wouldn't be on the court um, so that's one thing but the fact that Ben, in conference play this year, up over 56%, is maybe most remarkable about this stretch. Um, so I don't penalize Ben because he didn't win like these other guys did. Uh, I almost uh, applaud him even more because he's done these without having the ability to have court players on the court who can knock down threes and stretch the court and take some of the pressure off him. I want to pivot away from Ben, the basketball player, and talk about Ben, the person, for a second. Uh, I brought this up in a press conference with Ben, so it's kind of been out there publicly because um, he touched on this. The night that they honored Dave Redman uh, was the night that he passed him on the scoring list. And I'd asked him a story that you'd actually relayed that at some point Ben pulled you aside and said, tell me everything there is to know about Dave Redman. What, what does that say about a guy like Ben in this day and age in college basketball where people are – on a program for a year or, or, you know, just 10 months or whatever, that this guy wanted to learn about the history of Valpo basketball a little bit more? I think it tells you two things. Number one, it tells you how much Ben cares about Valpo University and Valpo basketball. Um, it means a lot to him. Um, and not only kind of like the history of it, uh, that's one part. And the other part is about person. Uh, I think the first thing he said, he goes, like, he didn't play that long ago. How old was he? And I said, he was 50. And, you know, he wanted to know, like, how does this happen? A 50-year-old man who had this great career. And it tells you, like, he's a deep thinker and somebody who cares. And, uh, you know, so many people in this day and age, whether it be young or, or people closer to our age, Paul, um, not saying I'm your age, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, then, I'm, I'm a little bit more cricky than you are, but uh, uh, I'm. <laughs> but but so many people, um, they're so focused on what's going on in their lives that they don't take the time to think about you know other people, other lives, and so much that has happened. And that's really a credit to him. And and I think I said at this point when we first talked about this, but. Wouldn't it be great if we had more Ben Crickies in this world? Not more Ben Crickies at Valpo, that'd be great, but just more Ben Crickies in this world. People who care about others, who care about history, um, who care about the school they're at. You know, in a day and age where so many people uh, are worried about where am I going to play next year? Not, boy, what an experience I'm having here at Valpo, but where am I going to be next year? And how Valpo has lost all these players. And I'm not, not going to sit there and just rip these players for leaving. But I will applaud Ben Cricky for staying. Because there have been tough times at Valpo. And he certainly, of all the players over the last five, six years, who have taken advantage of this crazy portal world we live in, um, the one guy who really would have had the most options by far is Ben Cricky. And he's the one guy who stayed. And that leads me to my final question for you here. Um, 
you know, obviously there's a lot of what's the future of Valpo going to be after Arch Madness. And one of the big questions is about Ben Cricky, right? Um, you know, I can see a lot. I don't think he would transfer. I think he would either go pro or come back. I think there is a question about, well, what more does he have to prove at the collegiate level other than winning as part of a team? And again, as we talked about, right, like, it's not that's a lot to put on his shoulders to, to say that like he doesn't have anything else to prove he came to school in 2019 with the idea that he would graduate in 2023 and be done if he comes back he could get a master's degree all of that your thoughts if you were uh, if ben was sitting next to you and you were asked for some advice what would you say what do you think is going to happen you know i don't even think it's fair for me to give ben advice he's smart enough to make his own decision i i Here's what I think. I'll speak. This is the Victory Bell, the podcast. We're going to speak as candidly as possible. I think Ben is incredibly loyal. I think Ben greatly respects his head coach. I think he thinks very highly of him. And and I know people have been, well, let's not hide it. There's been plenty of people who have been critical of Matt. Um, Matt's been in a difficult spot. I'm not going to make excuses for him. But I will tell you, a lot of the players that I respect... I don't want to put put players in a narrow window, but I'll just start with Ben. I'm not going to list the others, but, but Paul, you know what I'm talking about. A lot of the players who've been around Matt, who've been around this program, who have a great sense of right and wrong, they have a great respect for Matt Loddick. And, and Ben's really at the top of the list. I think if Ben stays, and I think there's a very good chance of it, uh, I think part of it is, is contingent. On Matt Loddick's day. And, um, you know, Matt's going to have his own decisions to make. Um, Matt will have, again, another guy. Yeah, I think we're getting run off the road here. Maybe this uh, truck driver doesn't want Matt or Ben to stay, and they're trying to end this conversation. But we've held them off, uh, and we are still rolling to St. Louis. You know, it's an unusual situation where I think Ben feels very loyal to the university. I think Ben feels, feels very loyal to Valpo. And I think Ben understands that if he went somewhere else, we're not talking about going to play in Europe, but if he went somewhere else for final year of college, he doesn't know if he would be given the opportunity to do, excel as a basketball player the way Matt Lodick has given him the ability, the way they've changed up the offense to where he's got the ball at the high post and he can operate there. He can still get on the block and they'll run plays for him. He can step outside and make a three-point shot. He may go somewhere else, especially if he goes to a bigger school, and will not have the same role that he has here. And that will not assist him in the ability to make more money the following year, whether it be in Europe or somewhere else. Uh, So I think that has, that's the big positive in Ben staying. I think if he finds out that the money is there right now from Europe, he's going to look at that. He's going to look at the possibility of playing in Europe and decide, well, will that money still be here next year? Will Valpo be able to get Ben NIL money, which they've been working on as well, through the NIL's Victory Bell program? And there will be a story coming to thevictorybell.com sometime after Arch Madness, looking at thevictorybellclub.org, which is uh, a website with a very unfortunate tie-in name to the victory bell it's okay it's good branding uh not affiliated in any way shape or form with the victorybell.com uh 
But, hey, the victory bell is a big thing, and Valpo hopes to be ringing it at some point here on Sunday. Um, just final thoughts, predictions for uh, for Thursday? I think Valpo's going to beat Murray State, and let's just put it at that. I've explained a little bit why, and I feel very strongly that um, they easily could have beaten them twice. And, and they're, Paul, they're kind of overdue to win one of these close games. I mean, they are 0-7 in games that have gone to overtime or decided by fewer than five points in conference play. And in six of those seven games, they've had a lead in the final minute. Uh, water finds its level, and you hope that maybe it does so at Arch Madness. Todd, thank you so much uh, for joining here, and we're going to resume our drive. But uh, looking forward to tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, from the Enterprise Center, Valpo and Murray State.